Hello to everyone on planet Earth who is listening to this podcast. My name is Ryan. I'm the right Ryan, the great Ryan, the beautiful Ryan, the gorgeous Ryan, the sensitive Ryan, your Ryan. I try to have different adjectives every week. So speaking of every week, thank you all for tuning in every week and listening. I always want to say watching, but I know on podcasts we're listening, listening to these episodes and the vast array of people we've had on with different interests and perspectives and, you know, people of different races and orientations and religions. I mean, we're really just hitting all the squares. So thank you so much for listening week in and week out. I'll say it again. We are eligible for monthly sustaining supporters. So if you would like to become a monthly sustaining supporter of A Pinch of Intelligence with Ryan, we have three levels, 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. And I would be honored if you wanted to do that. But most importantly, you're here and you're listening to A Pinch of Intelligence with Ryan. And that really, really makes me happy. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, we have a very special guest. All my guests are special guests. Today's guest is Tabitha Dial. Uh, a.k.a. tea leaf reader. And some of you might be wondering, what in the heck is a tea leaf? Well, we're going to learn all about that today. Welcome, welcome, Tabitha. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. You are so welcome. All right. So as always, Tabitha, give us a little Wikipedia about yourself. Well, let's tap it on into the internet. Um, I grew up in Colorado, beautiful place. Um, slowly kind of gravitated eastward. Uh, lived in Kentucky for a bit, and now I'm in New Jersey. And I'm honored to be able to use different talents in my life. I love poetry. Um, I've you know written and been able to publish in anthologies. And I feel like I'm a very intuitive, imaginative person as a result. But I don't think that's necessarily anything special. And I want my legacy to be that, you know, everybody can be a poet. And you already have that within you, just as you already have a good sense of intuition. And you could, you know, work on that and find your own psychic abilities and your own path. Yeah. Um, speaking of poetry... When let's just start with that because I think that's interesting. When did you first realize that you had a gift for words? Oh my goodness. Well, it actually started with short stories that I loved to write in the backyard when I was a kid and just kind of, I just wanted to escape and share my imagination and pour it out somehow. Um, I guess probably early on, teachers would reinforce that. I was good at it, but I do remember when I was 11. Um, oh, when I was 11, I was writing a, a, a novel. It was a fantasy novel. Um, so maybe it wasn't that age, but I want to say around that age, I found Emily Dickinson. And that's a big thing at that point, you know, getting headaches, trying to read her poems. Right. Um, but she's such a cool poet. And I was like, oh, I want to write as many poems as Emily Dickinson did. And that was like, it's like 1776 poems or something. And uh, yeah, I made that like my little life's mission. And I 
you know, if you're not going for quality, you can definitely do that if you're a kid with a lot of time on your hands, especially before the internet, you know. And I think that helped to just get out a whole lot of it, kind of like with the Beatles, you know, they spent 10,000 hours perfecting their craft. Right. And Emily Dickinson, I mean, that is a that is a complex woman. Mm -hmm. how, old were you, how old were you when you started reading her? I would say between 11 and 13, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember reading her in high school along with, you know, some of the transcendentalists and so on. Very nice. Yeah. It's not, it's not, um, it's not light reading. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. Um, so besides that, what else did you enjoy in childhood that kind of <gasps> sharpened or led you to see that, you know, you, you've talked a lot about your gift for intuition. Is that something you felt since your day, your early days in Colorado? Oh yeah, absolutely. I grew up with, um, women who believed there's a lot more than meets the eye to life. You know, my grandmother, who introduced me to tea leaf reading, she loved reading about astrology. At least she kept up on her horoscope. She was also a painter, so that influenced me too. And being able to talk about the nuances of color and light during different times of the year. My mom um, had some, well, she had one particular dream that was very pivotal to, pivotal, <laughs> my words today, pivotal to um, family history. Um, which was like a premonition type dream when she still lived at her parents. And she also loved horoscopes. So I grew up in that kind of environment where we could, we absolutely were very open about things, you know, like the stars and dreams and how they can help shape and navigate our world. And this includes your, your mother as well? Yes. Okay. And... Um, did you, back then, did you think that, did you ever get any, you know, peers or anyone that said, you know, this is, this stuff's weird. What are you doing? <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> That's funny. What a great question though. Not when I was younger, not until, no, and I'm even thinking when I started, you know, kind of like hanging my shingle and doing readings, I didn't get anything like that from peers. Um, you know, just an occasional passerby who'd say, um, no, because of their own, you know, religious upbringing. I'd be like, you know, I already was a little bit prepared for that. And my answer to that is this is not for everyone. But I, in fact, I was hoping you were going to ask, uh, did I have peers who kind of aligned with me? Because it was really exciting. Wow. Yeah, it was really exciting when I was young. I had a friend I'm still in touch with who looked at me while we were hanging out with some other friends in her own house. And she's like, your aura, it's green with little droplets of purple. Or it was that kind of, it was those two colors. And she just was very open about it. We were, I believe, just entering high school around that time. Nice. So when you, um, you know, left high school, is this something that you, kind of put on the back burner for a while or is this always in the forefront how do you know these things ryan 
I didn't that, know how to ask good questions. Yeah, it's absolutely like that. So I picked up my first tarot deck when I was 17 because I got those pyramid collection catalogs. I don't know how many people, how many of our your listeners will be able to identify with that. But they had really cool, um, you know, kind of Renaissance fair style dresses, not that elaborate, um, but also introduced me to the tarot cards and I thought those are so cool I would love to use those because of the art absolutely but also hey you can predict the future so I got those when I was 17 but it freaked me out because I kept drawing the queen of wands with this red hair this cat (laughs) and I was like I loved cats as a kid we had like a few of them by that time too and it's like so um yeah oh and i read the description creative person and uh, i was like um uh oh that's me (laughs) it freaked me out so i did put them away and uh it wasn't until i was getting a master's in poetry hey there's that connection that i returned to that deck because i wanted a theme for the thesis which was a book length collection of poetry and I decided, I thought birds would be a great topic. Fairy tales would be wonderful too. And, you know, I just tried to write those, but I didn't put much effort into them and I didn't like them. And then I remembered the tarot deck I'd put away. Hmm. Why were you freaked out about that? I, when you, a few minutes ago or a few seconds ago, you said, I, you know, I was, I drew and then, oh my gosh, it was the, what did you say? The one of. Queen of Wands. Queen of Wands. Why? Mm-hmm. Why did you say that? "Quote unquote" freaked you out? Because there, it's uh, an archetype. So, how tarot cards are for those who don't know, you know, they're archetypes, really, of different energies, um, moments in our lives, really. But there's court cards in there too: the Queen, the Knight, the Page, and the King of each of the elements or suits. And Wands is one of those. Um, wants is associated with creativity, fire, enterprise, passion. Um, and just to keep seeing her reappearing, especially in one of the positions, uh, really made me feel like the cards were recognizing me in the readings. And I wasn't prepared for that. I think this is very interesting. I think when we're first encountering divination tools like tarot, um, like tea leaves, we might be thinking, oh, we're going to learn about the outside world and we're going to be able to predict what's going to happen next and be ready for the next thing. Not so much, oh, this is where you are now, you know, and I just wasn't ready for that. And I thought it was a little too close to home. I guess I didn't know what I really expected, but. Did it did it give you, because I would have think my instinct would be is that if it gave me a positive affirmation, I would have been happy to see it. Did it? Mm-hmm. Did tell you something that scared you or honestly because some of them are really breezy and happy you know that I've heard yes you know was yours not so much honestly I can't say for sure what those readings uh really were spelling out for me because I was still learning and I was already diving into the more complex Celtic cross which is 10 cards um, but I just remember I was familiarizing myself with them and this card kept popping up and I was like, okay, well, these other queens remind me of my grandmother, my mom, because as we've established, they've been role models for me. Um, 
yeah, it just kind of hit me sideways as like, okay, she keeps popping up. I'm not ready for this. Gotcha. Um, is tarot something that has become, I hate to say, more in vogue or popular over the last few years? Because prior to TikTok, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Just, I don't even know. I'm not even going to claim I could tell you a word about it. <laughs> um <laughs> has social media made it because you were doing it before social media i feel like it um i don't know maybe it's my fyp or something but i feel like it's really um main i hate to use the word mainstream maybe i was gonna use that exact word it really truly is and for that i'm grateful honestly i think uh i matured enough as time went by to to embrace everybody getting a stab at it i think earlier on and i know i was this way with teaching tea leaf reading i was just like no i'm not gonna give away that uh, but I'm really glad that the world has turned on to tarot um there's a deck called the wild unknown which I want to say maybe six years ago, they were putting in um, articles, you know, like, I don't want to say Seventeen Magazine, but, you know, or, you know, the more mainstream articles is, this is a great buy for a stocking stuffer, and even like bundles of sage and crystals, things of that nature have become exactly mainstream. I, I would really use that term, and I think that's fantastic. Right. Is there a part of you that, has a fear that you know the the cynic in me i or the i guess my healthy critical i would say if this is a gift but everyone's doing it who's real and who's an imposter <laughs> i love that it's it's boiling down to trusting your gut and understand and and having an ability to see the sincerity in the person giving the messages and I am glad you brought that up because one of the things, one of the pushback I got, you know, specifically from like um, partners in my life, life partners would be, well, people are going to think you're a scam artist or I don't like that because I think that's taking advantage of people. And I understand their point of view. It's very much in um, your ethics of how you treat people and respect their energy um, meaning, you know, a lot of times we say, hey, it's an energy exchange. So all I ask for you if I'm on a live is like, please just share the live or whatever to help me out and I will help you out. Um, instead of just being like, oh, yes, if you don't, you have a curse on you. And if you don't pay me $500 to clear it, you know, you're in, in deep trouble. Right. You know, never do that kind of thing. So I think the authenticity really comes from. Does this person, with what they're saying, align with the images I'm seeing? Do I really feel like these images speak towards what they are conveying? Because the cool thing about tarot is the original cards came out in, I want to say, 1700s uh, northern Italy. And they are very pictorial. And that was because not everyone uh, was able to read at that time. So they're meant to be interpreted just by looking at them. I did not know that. Yeah. And actually, they were they were a game at first, and we just don't know the rules for it. Okay. Yeah. No, I did not know that. Huh. I guess it's sort of like, you know, if you're wanting to seek out a therapist or a doctor, you know, you have to, you have to fill them out. 
not everyone works for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, perfect analogy. I kind of felt when you said that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, has it ever been hard to be in a relationship and be in, uh, be you know, in tune with your intuition and your you know, the nuances and so on. Does it make relationships hard ever? Cause you hear, you know, hear a spouse say certain words or, um, you pick up on something or do you have to kind of just put it at bay or what do you do? Because I would think that your mind's always going. Cause when you're doing a card session, it's, it is intense. That went right to the heart of things. Um, I had earlier relationships where, one in particular, I broke it off, and one of the reasons was because they were like, "Okay, you can do tarot, but it's only in this room." And it's like, it's like they were so uncomfortable with it. They were Church of England. Um, another one where I vividly remember, I think it was during the housing crisis, the when the bubble burst, and they were, in fact, we were at a pizza shop, and on the TV they were showing um, how psychics were popular at the time because people have all these questions they need answered, and it's you know, crisis time is a I don't know if the message also was during crisis, people go to readers, if that was part of it too. But I do remember just upset. And I think I was probably crying in public and saying, what if this is really what I want to do with my life? But he's just like, it'll be okay. Even though I knew he was firmly against it, even down to his horoscope didn't fit him, you know? And, you know, and I even married someone who is a total skeptic. Now I'm divorced, but (laughs) so we can see it all ended. But that is to say, within the framework of being, you know, feeling I was supported or just a believable person. Um, as far as like reading all the time, I am not always on. Um, and I just go with the flow. Um, and I think I have a better sense of trusting my gut now than I did then. And I've just made better decisions about who I want to really be around. I mean, I moved from a place that I really loved in Lexington, Kentucky. That place, that town is awesome. You would think somebody come from Colorado saying Kentucky is awesome. <laughs> that says something. But this place was amazing with art galleries, higher education um, all over, and just a really strong community. And I made the choice to leave that for uh, somebody out in New Jersey. And I had visited for a month. Um, but yeah, I decided this person was worth it to change my life yet again and uproot myself yet again. Um, and it's still one of the best decisions I've made because of the support I received from him. Now, he is, you know, someone who I can have conversations with, but he's not necessarily pagan. He, I mean, he isn't pagan. Like, he doesn't do all these things that I do. But we have wonderful conversations all the same. Oh, Great. I, I, I know when you've been in some of my lives, you'll chime in and say something funny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, how does tarot or uh, we'll get into tea leaf reading here in a minute, but um, the whole the whole gamut. How do you think it helps you in your daily life? Oh, awesome question. I think it just makes my life more vivid. You know, I'm not one of those people who is disciplined enough to draw a daily card. In fact, I really don't read for myself. Um, But yeah, I think it just makes life more interesting and you have more uh, ideas to connect to what you see around you. It opens up all sorts of doors, just like, um, boy, 
the book Running with the Wolves comes to mind, which is a collection of fairy tales. There we are again. Uh, you know, where we get to look at them and understand how that fits into just being a woman and the and the strengths of being alive, really. Um, I think tarot and tea leaf reading allow you to see the world in um, a much more multifaceted way. And I loved how, by the way, your introduction, you were very multifaceted with your description of yourself. <laughs> That's just become a shtick I do every week. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes the guests, I can hear them giggling in the background, but you held it together. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was prepared. I, I have listened before. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Tea leaf reading. Mm-hmm. How, how did that become part of your life? And my second question there is, is it very similar to tarot or is it a life of, does it have a life of its own? Oh, nice. So it came part of my life at a very early age. Uh, my grandmother, my mom's mom, once again, the one who liked astrology and painted, she and and her husband, my granddad, they would take me to a Chinese restaurant in town, which was the place to go that was fancy. And it, we know it'd be it'd be one of our options for special occasions. And she would often order the Chinese tea. And to me, it was just like this tastes like dirty water. I'm not interested. <laughs> At the end, she would open up the kettle and look in the bottom and she would start speaking very um, kind of poetically and descriptively. And I don't really remember what she was saying. And there's nothing that really exactly stands out. But I do know she was doing tea leaf reading. And just for us as family me members and casually. And that gave me permission to get into it myself. I did buy her a tea leaf reading kit and we talked about how we were going to look at it. And she did talk about, you know, I've opened it up. I love this symbol. I love that symbol that they describe. And um, when she passed away, she still had it, which is quite something because I believe she had to downsize and move ac across the mountains before she, uh, you know, yeah, since I had given her the gift. So that was very cool. Um, then your other question was, how does it relate to tarot? Is it a different animal kind of? Right. Correct. Yeah. There are some crossovers. I sometimes do see an image in the tea leaves that strikes me as very much tarot energy. At first, that phenomenon was when I got my first gig in a shop and I was reading for someone and the way it was formed was very um, symmetrical. Yeah, that's the word I want. It reminded me of the moon card, which has uh, like a tower on each side. And then from the waters arises a uh, lobster in the middle. And then on either side, again, you have your wolf and you have your hound. So it kind of you know, it has all these layers of how we can interpret. Well, there's your wild side and then there's your tame side. Um, but I saw what looked like two kind of towers or pillars and then this figure in the middle that looked like a lobster to me. And she thought of it, thought it looked like um, somebody in yoga stretching, you know. So I always feel like when I'm reading somebody's tea leaves, their input, it's their leaves, you know. So what they see rings true. Um, so that's at first how I saw tarot and tea leaves 
overlapping. But more recently, I'll uh, see an image and sometimes it'll be like, no, this also reminds me of, for example, the two of pentacles. And that is the duality of um, like being in the real world. So the common depiction is a figure person juggling just these two pentacles or coins. And the idea there is, you know, keeping a balance between your social and your professional life. So sometimes I'll see an image and be like, yeah, this is what it's really saying to me too. And it's really exciting because I think as we develop our skills, skills, we're going to always uh, be using previous skills and they'll be popping up in surprising ways. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've wondered this and I'm sure some of my readers who are, you know, well versed on tea leaf reading is I know on a shallow level, it's, you know, tea. And then it is, um, basically drained and the tea leaves that remain in the cup are in, in a vast array of, of, um, designs stuck to the cup, the bottom of the cup and so on. Um, yeah. but I mean, that's just, you know, the, the basics, it's just liquid and draining and so on. Mm -hmm. What is behind in your belief? What is behind who or what, or it is behind making those shapes that you see in the cup? <gasps> oh, Ryan, how can I answer that? <laughs> well, first of all, it's not always drained. Like I do. I like to get to it as quick as possible. Oftentimes people will get to sit with the cup and sip it and enjoy it. I just prefer not to do that because I feel like then I'll be reading people, you know, their mannerisms and start. Yeah. I like to get to it as quick as possible. Um, but what is behind making those shapes in the cup? It's kind of like what is behind getting the tarot cards to fall the way that they do. I think it's a lot of, we could spend forever, a lot of synchronicity, which is a Carl Jung psychological term, uh, which I think a lot of people are familiar with, where just uh, you keep seeing, like an example is, I keep seeing the number 222. What is that all about? Um, or I've had butterflies on my mind and I keep seeing them. That's, that's part of what's behind it. Also, what helps shape those shapes and what you see is very much your own mindset already and the obstacles you might have in your life. So it's, you know, to use the term energy, um, and what was the other term I was going to use? Um, kind of the great unknown. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And my intention that I set, you know, with my readings is to ask for higher power, the universe and ancestors to help guide. So I would. I, I, I always find that so peaceful when you say that at the beginning of a reading. <laughs> I really do. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the the sequence of the words or the way in which you say them. But every time you say that, I always think of my ancestors, even if the reading is not pertaining to me, it's just a very comforting phrase, I think. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like all our ancestors are working together. They have to be. They're right. putting it in. You know, <laughs> with ancestors, and I'm glad you brought that up because I've, I've often wondered this when I'm in your, um, you know, in your TikTok lives, but it's not really the place to type it in the chat. And, you know, I have a full-fledged 
conversation. But what what exactly do you believe or sense that ancestors are doing? Because we all have ancestors, we all have family trees, but what are they doing mm-hmm. in this sense of spirituality that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, for me, I, I adhere to the to the belief that ancestors can be part of and are an innate part of what we could call a spirit team. You know, that unknown force that has come to help us specifically and to give us little shoves here and there in the right direction or just comfort. Um, so that's what I feel when when I conjure or I ask for the ancestors to help is that's what I feel I'm bringing to the table. And because I've been doing this work for a while, I, I, I trust, and I've had a lot of different people, some who don't even know me say, Oh yeah, you know, you've got this grandmother who works with you. You know, I was like, okay, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I do really feel like my loved ones do work with me and I can feel like their personalities sometimes come out. And I feel it's helpful because like I was talking about your skills just gelling and suddenly new ones come along when you do work like this. Um, I feel like sometimes um, I'll get kind of the personality of a different loved one. And that helps me because either it's their personality or something they specialized in that is kind of this visual that pops up for me or an earworm, like a song. And that helps me relate to whoever I'm reading in a way that maybe they wouldn't have been able to before. Right. Yeah. What has been one of the most rewarding instances you've had or memories you've had in doing this craft? Oh, wow. Was there a certain person or a certain calling or a certain sensation you know what is if you just had to think right now what is one that will come to the forefront of your mind that you've experienced doing this i'd say there was one that i did on a live which is really an interesting one because you can't see the person at all but i remember there were a few things that they still remembered weeks later um i think there was a blimp and a specific bird and even a letter because a big thing about tea leaf readings for people who want to try it at home one of the common things you can find are birds and letters and numbers. Um, but there was a blimp as well. And the funny thing about who she was hoping to contact was that they, I think, took them on a blimp ride or there was a specific blimp memory to them. And it was very emotional for them. They they said they were crying and I got teared up, even though this ex- in this experience, I could not see them. Um, another really rewarding thing was over this summer, um, someone who frequents my booth and always gets a reading from me every year at a holistic expo here in New Jersey. She reached out and she said, we just love you. It's all capitals. And and she had me over for a party at her house near the, like on the shore. And it was fantastic to get to do these readings for her loved ones. And it was a big thank you for her to those people and talk about like the ancestor magic It was palpable in the room when uh, she took the time to toast everybody and say how much she loved them. And this was her way of showing her gratitude for their role in her life and this sisterhood and this love that I was flabbergasted and I got emotional at that moment. What what an affirmation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I meant to ask this a second ago, but with 
when did tea leaf reading i mean what is the his i know you talked about tarot and how that you know began as a game and so on with mm -hmm. tea leaf you i mean it's it's obviously um people have been drinking tea for centuries and centuries and you know it was it was a luxury at one point but when did you know my thought is somebody was making tea and they saw these particles <laughs> and like who was the person that was like oh well i'm gonna i'm gonna read them you know like when you're washing the dishes you'll have soap suds on the sink that makes <laughs> shade. i mean what what is what was it what happened well i think we're always yeah, we're always trying to make sense of our world, uh, bottom line. Uh, but historically, it has its roots in Turkish coffee. So Turkish coffee fans, you might already know that. If you drink that, oh, it's a really good drink. If you drink it, you'll notice that like along the side, you have an impression of that because it gets syrupy. And then you can see all that impression of um images in it kind of like with hot cocoa is might be the best correlation uh so that's the roots of it actually is turkish coffee but yeah in ancient china when they did start drinking it originally is for um they would eat it i believe like in a soup and then later they decided okay this works maybe better as a drink and yeah so that's where it really did start and then in the 1920s it got popular in america and i think it's it's kind of had a resurgence recently mm -hmm. so in turkey they they saw these symbols there and it began to take on you know as a spiritual realm oh i'm sure i don't know yeah it's kind of like the chicken or the egg which came first you know like do we apply right. the spiritual meaning or we're just having fun and what ifs you know right what has been on the on the opposite side of the coin here what has been um What's something, uh, maybe it is all, maybe that's the point. It is all enriching and fulfilling. Has there ever been moments where you're disillusioned? Mm, there, you know what? I do kind of hit those, those. It's like a little bit, I would say, like writer's block where you're just like, okay, I feel like I keep telling these people I see an owl and it just feels mundane. Oh my gosh, it's yet another lizard. Ugh. Why do I always see rabbits? <laughs> like, why can't I get out of these certain symbols, you know? The so, yeah, I think that's that's probably something really anybody in a creative or an intuitive line of work encounters. And I think they're, oh, my gosh, there's such beautiful overlap, too, between writing a poem or story or creating a piece of music and getting lost in that Zen flow of it. And you don't even know where these beautiful notes came from, where these lines came from and sharing a reading for somebody. Have you ever had moments where you think about stepping away? Yes. Really? I'm surprised. Yeah. Well, and it's only, only a stepping away. Maybe you meant that in a more serious, like longer term type thing than I did. Um, I, meant, I meant, I didn't mean to offer the to others. I meant you as yourself. Like that you're, you no longer participate in any of this and. Oh, you know. oh no, I wouldn't renounce it. Absolutely not. Or at least just say, this isn't for me. You know, I, I'm just, it's, I'm, yeah, that's what I meant. What I meant was stepping away, meaning that you don't, in, you know, you engage in the practice and it's not part of your, 
you know, part of your brain formula? Have you ever had those types of like people that step away from the Catholic Church or something like that? Yeah, and 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 people have. Um... <laughs> There's one person who I mean, people can do their homework if they're interested, or if they're already listening, they may already know where I'm going to go. There was someone who, in recent years, had already capitalized on publishing a whole ton of decks that they had put their name on and their stamp of approval on. And then they turned around and said, no, this is, you know, like the devil's work. And now I'm very Christian and I renounce all of this. Um, yeah, that's actually happened in recent years. But no, I I don't see that happening. And what's interesting is um, I had kind of a marriage of, of um, how do I put this? I grew up kind of in a household that, you know, had this sense of, okay, we can't explain everything, but also my parents came from a Christian background. My father really didn't want to go to church anymore because he had been very churchy throughout his life. So when I was in middle school, my parents took me out of public school and they put me into Catholic school. I'd been picked on and they didn't like that. And the school wasn't being helpful or accommodating. And so I was in Catholic school for a couple of years. I even felt the calling to become a nun, but then that didn't last too long because at that time I wanted to have kids. And I was like, oh, you can't do that. So thanks God, <laughs> work with you some other way, I guess. And um, when my father passed a little over a year ago, I had already been kind of primed for about a year and a half with my book club that I made here in, or I joined in New Jersey. Uh, we had already been talking a little bit because I brought it up about the saints. And I really love the idea of the Catholic saints because I think they line up so well with um, archetypes, which is, again, what Tara is about. And, you know, then my dad passed and it was just, you know, I guess it was part of that search for meaning and comfort. Um, it all like aligned for me. And it's like, okay, well, now I'm going to announce that I am more of a Catholic pagan. But I have since gone back on that because of the, um, let's just say, the unsavory nature of that institution. Right. Yep. Um, so what, when you said you did think about stepping back, explain to us in what context yeah. you meant that. Oh, just, just needing to take a week, a month, whatever off. And, or, and also stepping back in order to feel more grounded before I plunge back in. Because like I've been saying, I've noticed uh, with the development of my skills, I've also uh, in the past couple of years, I've allowed for more mediumship, which at first I would be in the middle of tea leaf reading and I'd feel like, okay, there's a message coming here and I don't know where it's coming from. And I would often dismiss it or put it aside. And um, I think doing those holistic expos and other such things where there were mediums around me, something about it was in the water and I allowed myself to develop it more. Plus people were asking for those types of services. So I was like, you know what? I think I can because I would follow what my gut told me. Right. And you said that that's, that's the essence of all of it. Mm-hmm. Is following your gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I well, think to... I, I like that you're honest about instances where, you know, you do feel it becomes I don't want to say repetitive, but you know, you you understand that, you know, it's not 
high adrenaline every minute of every day. No. <laughs> yeah, we're not constantly having our third eye and crown chakra open and receiving and getting what some people call downloads, you know. Right. One other thing I wanted to ask you is what what part does the inner child play in all this? Because that is some that is a term mm. I've heard a lot in the last few years when I've become, you know, more aware of this world is what what is meant because I know some people will be interested, like, oh, that's interesting. I want to know more about that. What what how do you interpret developing or nurturing your inner child? And I'm having for myself too. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, you can handle it all sorts of ways. Whatever it was that you enjoyed when you were younger, um, when you were developing, when you were starting to get a sense of the world, and when you were a lot more carefree, those are the keys. And and being able to allow yourself to be carefree, but also inner child work is getting you to heal any part of you that may have felt less than or may have gotten hurt when you were younger and taking that time for it. Um, but how you can approach that is, uh, yeah, absolutely with with playfulness, with color, with whatever delights you, you know, go, go to a playground and swing on the swings, <laughs> write a poem with your inner child in its voice. Love letters. But yeah. The, the core of this is if you um, make amends with something, you know, that was not pleasant as a child, that will help you in your path forward, basically. Oh, yes, I feel very much so. Okay. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And people people benefit from that. Uh, Abraham Hicks or Esther Hicks, good example of that, um, you know, of just just following your bliss kind of kind of mentality. And and enjoying life basking is another way she's put it. You know, basking in joy. And other people are probably not going to always get it, and they don't need to. You know, like they'll as as she'll say, you know, they'll they'll be asking, "Why are you this way? Why do things always work out for you?" And it's just like you know, they just are. You know, like you just accept things, right? <laughs> if you're that blessed, yeah. For some people, going back to their inner child and their experiences as children can could be terrifying yeah i mean if someone has dealt with some type of physical or sexual abuse mm -hmm. or, or um economic disadvantage of young children that's probably something where they need to be a little more careful yes and have a good professional hand a person at hand Right, because you know, inner child, we think you know, reading ch reading children's books and playing hide and go seek. Well, it wasn't for some of some of us. Mm -hmm. It's not always that smooth. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's something that I really leaned into too early on. Glad you brought it up as a reader. Is that we? You know, I would often people say often on their readings, it's for entertainment only. Right. There's that layer, but there's also the layer in professional tarot world and professional, you know, reader world is that we do not replace doctors. You know, we do not replace lawyers. Right. We're therapists. So. Right. No, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, and one other thing before before we get into closing here is, where did the term tarot come from? Oh, that's a great I question. I asked that earlier because every time I'm like, I have no, I mean, I could Google it, but it's more interesting to hear it from you. Where did the term tarot come from? My understanding off the top of my head is when I mentioned that how it was a game, it was tarochi. Um, and that's all I got for you. <laughs> it got shortened oh, I, through that. Yeah. You could have said, I don't know, because I don't know. That's why I was asking, <laughs> you know, but I wondered, you know, where did that come from? Yeah, really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, in closing here, Tabitha, for anyone who's listening, who does want to get more in touch with what what they think, things in the world that they just think are just, it's just too much of a coincidence not to be something important. What is the first steps that you would have them take to become, I don't mean like a psychic necessarily, mm -hmm. but just to become more intuitive and be your true self, um, begin to have a lens to see the world that you did before? Oh, well, first of all, congratulations to them for giving themselves a chance to have permission for that. And I would say take a lot of notes, pick up a lot of books, uh, find like-minded people, explore, explore, explore. One thing that helped me with um, the tarot learning was there's still a thriving Denver group on meetup.com is how I found them. Um, so there might be a meetup group or a Facebook group that um, folks can join, you know, learn from others. We exchanged a lot of readings with each other and it was just fasc fascinating. Right. And I'm going to say it and I don't, you know, we, someone can say shameless plug or not, but honey, no. let's, let's give you a little credit here. You also have published. Tell us about that. Yeah. I have a book. Thank you very much. Uh, called creative divination, read tea leaves and develop your personal code. Uh, it's 79 exercises. They are designed to help people with whatever divination tool you have really. Um, but they do, you know, lead you primarily through the tea leaf reading and the introduction talks about what to look for and where um, images might pop up and why that matters. And even there's even an exercise for the um, tarot and the court cards that we were talking about earlier. There's one for the serenity prayer. There's one for, um, what is it? The four agreements. And yeah, it covers the gamut, I hope. <laughs> And my last question here, what is one word that you would use to explain your journey in the world of tarot and tea leaf? What is one word you would use? Wow. Oh, man. There's one that feels very grandiose. <laughs> There's one that feels, I don't know, I'd say somewhere between um, expand. One word. One word. Okay. Oh. Mm. Oh, simmering. Oh, I like that. Yay! I got it. Because the simmer has a million different elements to it. Yeah. Mm, I like that, simmering. That sounds like that could be the title of your next book. 
I think so. You're absolutely a good poem there. Because, I mean, that's just such a mysterious way of, look, of you know, it's just, I think that would be something that would pique my simmering. Yeah, that's yeah. curiosity. There's anticipation. It's been going off for a while. Where will it go next? Absolutely. Right. Where did it start? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Tabitha, for being my guest this week. This is episode, I believe this is episode 24. Oh. So, but thank you so much for being my guest today, Tabitha. Thank you so much. It's been a delight getting to know you. And uh, talk. Yeah. And to be here. Yes. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, dear. And thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. This was, you know, a different way of uh, looking at the spiritual world for some of us. And for some of you, it's just an affirmation. And I think that's wonderful. But again, thank you for listening week in and week out. I will be here next week with another episode. As always, thank you for tuning in to A Pinch of Intelligence with Ryan. And until next time, just be a decent human being. Bye-bye. 